do we got uh, our slides? Oh, I'll just give it a second for our computer to get going. There we go. Perfect. All right. Um, first off, let's open with a word of prayer before we get started. Father God, we thank you for this night, Lord. Um, we thank you for just bringing us together, Father God, as um, brothers and sisters, Lord, into your house, into your sanctuary, Father God, to um, praise you, to have fellowship, and most importantly, Father God, to learn about your word. Um, Lord, on this night, I, I just pray for um, everyone here tonight. I pray that you open up the hearts of everyone who's um, sitting here, Father God. I pray that um, you just continue to um, just bless them, open up their hearts so that they can take in whatever you have in store for them tonight, Father God. I pray for myself, Lord. I pray that um, you please um, just override my preparations, Father God. I pray that you truly speak through me, Father God, so that um, I can be your servant, Father God. Use me as you will, Father God. Um, Lord, we love you. We lift everything up to you tonight, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay, okay. Okay, first off, how's everybody doing today? You doing good? You know, I'm glad to see you guys here, you know. Uh, it's getting gloomy. It's not summer anymore. It's getting cold this week. But you know what? Despite the weather, you know, you could be at home, laid up in your bed, you know, in your comforter, in your sheets, staying warm and being comfortable. But you guys chose to come to church today to hear God's word and what he has in store for you today. So that's something to be thankful for and something to be praised for. So thank you guys for being here. So First off, before um, we get going, I want to have a question. I have an opening question. And that question is, when do you have your most vulnerable and most meaningful conversations? For me personally, I have my most vulnerable and meaningful conversations is um, when I'm alone with somebody that I truly trust, someone that I truly love. Um, you know, for you guys, perhaps you have your most vulnerable and meaningful conversations when you're with your significant other, your spouse. I'm sure uh, Deborah and Tito Edgar have very meaningful conversations together at their house when they're, it's just them two, you know, I'm sure they do. Uh, maybe it's your best friend. Maybe you have the most vulnerable and meaningful conversations when you're with your best friend, someone who you've known since childhood. Maybe you guys went to grade school together and you just grew up together and you're just so close with each other that you can have those deep topic conversations. Or, you know, maybe it's a family member, you know. Me and my kuya, we have super meaningful conversations all the time. Sometimes. Anyway, me and him, we're pretty close. So, you know, I have, we're, we're close. We can confide things within each other. And our conversations are meaning, meaningful when need be. So it could be a family member. But overall, those meaningful conversations come from someone that you trust to the highest degree, someone that you love very much, or someone that you know for sure understands who you are as a person, and you, vice versa, understand who they are as a person. So at the same time, the same thing goes for God when applied to our prayer life. I'm sure you guys are already making the connections already. So let's go 
to Matthew 6.6, 6, which is our anchor text for tonight. And I'm going to go ahead and read it for us. But when you pray, go into your private room, shut your door, and pray to your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. So, what do we get from Matthew 6.6 6 here? It's a, it's a short verse, it's a small little verse. But what do we get, what do we learn from reading this verse? And so, as we see in Matthew 6.6, 6, the Bible encourages us to pray to our Father. It says, pray to your Father who is in secret. But, there's a caveat with that. When you pray, go into your private room, shut your door, and pray to your Father who is in secret. So what does that mean? We need to pray to our Father alone, by ourselves. And that's super important. That's what solo prayer is. That's why I titled the message today. Let me go back one. The ins and outs of solo prayer. So solo prayer is super important. And that's what Jesus here is talking about when he says this verse. And so I want you to think back now. When was the last time so in the same mindset of when was, who was the someone or whatever, um, who you have a general, genuine and meaningful conversation with. Now, let's apply that to God. Let's think back now. And when was the last time you had a genuine, meaningful, and vulnerable conversation with the Lord? When was the last time you had a very genuine solo prayer time with Him? And, you know, sometimes, have you even had one before? Maybe not. Maybe you haven't. Maybe you never really, really dove or delved into the topic of solo prayer. You, maybe you've never practiced it before. So, with that being said, now that we have our minds thinking and reflecting about the subject of solo prayer, um, I want to break down the topic even more so that we can really further our understanding and understand um, what solo prayer is. So let's go to the next part. So I kind of broke it down into, you know, like the who, what, where, why kind of thing. So we're answering questions today, and these are going to be our points. So I broke it down to a what, why, and how. So first, what is solo prayer? Um, secondly, why is solo prayer so important? And third, how does one practice solo prayer? So as we go throughout the message tonight, um, we're going to be answering these questions. And through answering these questions, I, we hope to understand what solo prayer truly is and how to apply it to our lives even better if we haven't been already. So let's start with what is solo prayer? So I, I know, I think all of us, have we all been to camp at church before? Yeah, all of us have gone at least once. So. I want you to think back to the time, you know, we're driving out to Camp Layman or, you know, somewhere in Northern California. We're driving out, you know, we're probably not the people driving, but you're sitting in the passenger seat of the car. We're driving to Camp Layman. And, you know, we get to the part in California where there's like a lot of trees. We in the forest it's, and the, the trees is getting real dense. There's a lot of trees when you look out the window. Now, all of a sudden you notice on your phone you lost signal. You can't make any calls. Your cellular data isn't working. You know, you can't make any calls. You can't go on Facebook anymore. And your phone just becomes a regular phone. It's not a smartphone anymore. It's not as smart as it used to be. 
So why is that? So hear me out here. So I have this diagram right here. I, you know, it's a nice little diagram. So I'm going to explain how cell phone signal works when you go in the forest. So we have your phone. This one's not as smart. This is like a, a Nokia phone. This was even before my time. But it's just for the example. So we have our phone. And you know, it's trying to make the little signals right now. And it's trying to make connect to what we have here, the you know, satellite signal tower thing. And so basically, the phone needs to connect to that tower in order for it to operate and to work properly. But because we're in the forest, driving to Camp Layman in Northern California, there's all these trees, and they're tall. These are big trees. They, they're the big, tall, like, pine trees. And they're blocking the signal from getting to the tower. So because we're in the forest, the phone can't send out the signal properly for it to reach the tower. That's why there's these X's here, because it's just not reaching the tower. And that's why our phone isn't operating when we're in the forest. So what ends up happening is that the tall trees in the forest mess with the signal on our phone, and it can't connect to the cellular tower. And the same goes for us when we try to have solo prayer and we're filled with too many distractions. You see, we're like the cell phone, and the tower is like God. And when we try to pray by ourselves with too many distractions around, we can't connect to God properly. So, I want to look at some biblical examples to help us better understand what solo prayer looks like. And what better person to examine than Jesus himself? You know, as I did my studies, Jesus, he like the expert at solo prayer. He's like the best solo prayer man in the Bible ever. Like, he's super good at it. And so he's just the perfect example, the perfect person to examine on what solo prayer is and how it works. So let's go to Luke 6, 12. During those days, he went out to the mountain to pray and spent all night in prayer to God. And let's go quickly to the next verse here, Matthew 14, 23. After dismissing the crowds, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. Well into the night, he was there alone. So what do we notice about Jesus, Jesus' surroundings every time he goes to pray in these two verses? What do we notice about it? Trees. Uh, maybe not trees. Almost. You got the spirit. Um, Jesus is alone every time he goes out to pray. He doesn't bring anybody with him. He intentionally leaves and goes out to be alone when he prays. So Jesus leaves crowds. So all the crowds of people that are following him around, he leaves them. His own disciples, you know, his 12, his boys, he even leaves them behind. And any other distractions, he leaves behind everything when he goes to pray. He withdraws to a place of peace and quiet. And there, that's when he focuses on praying to God. So, let's, that answers the first question. What is solo prayer? So I got the little Q&A here. A, solo prayer is withdrawing to a place of solitude by yourself to pray to God. 
So what does that look like for us? Because, you know, we're not Jesus. We're just, you know, followers of Jesus, yet we're still human. So what does that look like for us? What does withdrawing to a place of solitude by yourself to pray to God look like for us? So that could mean, you know, going in your closet, going in your bathroom. Or, you know, if you're not at home, maybe that's just sitting in your car. Somewhere that's peaceful, somewhere that's quiet, somewhere where, you know, people can't come and distract you. Things can't come and try to take your focus off God like the trees do when you're driving through California on your phone. So, you know, finding a place of quiet, of solitude where no one can bother you, that's what solo prayer is. That's what it looks like for us today. So, let's move on to the why. Why is solo prayer so important? Now, let's go back to Matthew 6.6, 6, and let's go to the second half of it, and that's why I have highlighted now. But when you pray, go into your private room, shut your door, and pray to your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. So let's focus on the second half of this now. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. So what does that mean? What does that, look, what does that mean for us? There is great reward in solo prayer. So, and, you know, when you think of rewards, you think of like, oh, like a present or like a birthday cake. I don't know. It's, if it's your birthday, the reward is, um, you know, receiving something. But um, in this case, reward is different. And these rewards can come in various forms. So let's figure out what those are right now. So first off, Solo prayer helps us to make big decisions. So what do I mean by this? Let's look at Luke 6, 12 to 16. During, the, these, during those days, he went out to the mountain to pray and spent all night in prayer to God. When daylight came, he summoned his disciples and he chose 12 of them, whom he also named apostles. Simon, who he had also named Peter, and Andrew, his brother, James and John, Philip and Bartholomew, Matthew and Thomas, James the son of Alphaeus, and Simon called the Zealot, Judas the son of James, and Judas Iscariot, who later became a traitor. So let's focus on the first half here. During those days, he, so in this case, he is referring to Jesus, just in case um, we weren't aware. During those days, Jesus went out to the mountains to pray and spent all night in prayer. When daylight came, he summoned his disciples and he chose 12 of them, whom he had also named apostles. So, solo prayer helps us to make big decisions. And in this case, Jesus had to make a big decision. He had to pick 12 people to accompany him throughout his big journey of spreading the gospel during his time, during his lifetime. And so that's a big decision. You know, if I had to pick 12 people to come with me and be with me until I die, and then they have to carry on my message after I die, I'm going to pray hard if, to pick the 12 perfect people in order to do that. So with that being said, you know, Jesus selecting his disciples was a big decision for him. And that's why he's, he prayed super hard. He went to the mountains to pray, spent all night in prayer. And then when daylight came, then he picked. So what does that look like for us? You know, maybe, you know, maybe, you know it's probably not to the degree of, 
you know, picking 12 people to carry on your message after death. But, you know, maybe we need to pray about, you know, if we really should take that job that was offered to us that looks real enticing, but it's hard to weigh the pros and cons of that job. You know, higher pay, but I can't go to church on Wednesdays anymore. You know, the pros and cons, we're trying to weigh it. You know, maybe um, if you're a student trying to decide what major you want to be after you graduate high school. I remember going through that as well. Um, You know, when we need to make big decisions, solo prayer helps out so much. Um, When we pray by ourselves, um, we can truly take that time to ask God and to reflect on, you know, the decisions that need to be made. And in this case, um, really ask God, Lord, may your will and not mine be done in our prayer, right? You know, it's really about truly asking God and taking that time to ask Him to help you make that big decision in your life. Because overall, at the end of the day, it's His decision to make, not yours. Yeah? All right, let's move on. Solo prayer allows the Holy Spirit to intercede in our prayers. So this one's a little wordy, I know. Intercede's like a big word. Um, But, don't worry, I'm going to break it down for you all. So, Let's go to Romans 8.26. In the same way, the Spirit also helps us in our weakness, because we do not know what to pray for as we should. But the Spirit Himself intercedes for us with groaning too deep for words. So what does that mean? Being physically alone with God during prayer, during solo prayer, helps to eliminate distractions, and thus allows us to connect with the Lord much easier. Like I said, with the whole phone signal analogy with the trees, once we eliminate distractions, once all those trees are gone, our phones can connect to the cellular tower thing. And we we can connect to God much more if all the distractions are gone. And once we're able to connect with God at that highest level during our solo prayer, then the Holy Spirit can intercede for us. And what that means is that the Holy Spirit is speaking in our prayer, in our words, and not us at that point anymore. We're not praying selfishly in our own minds, praying for our own wants, our own desires, but we're truly praying for what God wants for us. It's not about us anymore. When the Holy Spirit intercedes in our prayers, there's nothing about us anymore. It's all about what God wants. And that's the kind of level of prayer that we hope to achieve every time. So, let's move on to the next part. Solo prayer provides ultimate unity with God. All right, let's do Luke 5, 5 through 16. But the news about him spread even more, and large crowds would come together to hear him and to be healed of their sickness. Yet he often withdrew to deserted places and prayed. So, like I said, Jesus is like the expert at solo prayer. As w- when I was doing my uh, study um, for this message, there was just so many examples of Jesus um, withdrawing himself away from crowds, away from people, to just pray by himself, alone with Father God. And in this case, how does solo prayer provide unity with God? How does that work? So in this case here, let's look at the first part. But the news about him spread even more. Large crowds would come together to hear him and to be healed of their sicknesses. 
So, you know, at this point in Jesus' journey um, throughout his lifetime, he was, he was like becoming famous in a way. And, you know, news of him um, are spreading throughout the lands, throughout all the little towns out there. Um, you know, they're like, oh, yo, there's this Jesus guy, he's going around and he's like curing people of all these like sicknesses that we all thought we were uncurable at first. But he just pulls up and he puts his hand on them and then they're healed. So, you know, people were amazed. People were so shocked, so stunned. Um, some people just wanted to go to him just so they could see it happen. Some people probably didn't believe and they were just going to him being like, oh, you know, maybe this is all a hoax. I'm going to go see for myself. And, you know, here, some people were even there. They were so desperate that they went to Jesus. They traveled to Jesus because they wanted their sicknesses healed by this um, man with so much supposed power in their minds. So, in, essentially, Jesus was draw, drawing huge crowds wherever he went. But that didn't stop him from praying to God alone. That didn't stop his solo prayer time. See here in verse 16, Yet he often withdrew to deserted places and prayed. So Jesus would withdraw from all distractions. All those people that were surrounding him, he would withdraw from all that just to pray to God. And he was in ultimate unity with God by doing so. Just like with any relationship, you know, the more time we spend with a person, the closer we grow to them in unity. You know, I'm sure Kuya and Ate, they have very good unity because they spend so much time together. I'm so sure, like, you know, husband and wife, I'm sure they're very unified in their thoughts and decisions. So, <laughs> I got you, bro. Anyway, um, you know, like any relationship, the more time we spend with that one person, the closer we grow to them. And with that being said, this same concept goes for our relationship with God in solo prayer. And, you know, I'm sure you've heard this before. If anything, I'm echoing this message to you. But... The more time we spend with God in solo prayer, the closer we grow to Him, the more unified we become with Him. When I pray to God just five minutes a day, I can't expect God to be close to me because I'm not giving Him my time. But if I pray to God, let's say, an hour a day, then I can expect God to be a lot closer to me because I'm giving Him that time. And the more time you invest in God, the more time God will invest back in you. You see, that's where the unification comes in. Because if I'm one with God through prayer, then God will definitely be within me when I go throughout my day. He will definitely be watching over me and taking care of me. So, Q&A time. Just to summarize the first, second point. Why is solo prayer so important? Solo prayer helps us to make big decisions. Solo prayer allows the Holy Spirit to intercede in our prayers. And solo prayer provides ultimate unity with God. Okay. Let's move on to the third, the how. How does one practice solo prayer? And I think, for me, this is like probably the point that spoke to me the most during my study. Um, like I said, and I'll always continue to echo is that I believe that information is useless without application. So 
Um, this third point is our application part for tonight. So what that means is information is useless without application. You can learn all these things here tonight. You can learn all these things from Pastor Joe, from Maikuya, from anyone who speaks up here. You can take in the words and you can take notes, write them down in your notebook, do anything. You can do all those things. But if you're not taking those notes, not taking what you learn here and applying it to your own life and actually putting that knowledge to use, that information, then it's useless. My words are going out, going into your ear and coming out the other. The words that Pastor Joe speaks are just, you're just receiving it and then that's it. So that's why application is so important in our Christian lives. But that's a little tangent I a little went on, but let's, let's reel back in. So Matthew 6, 6, but when you pray, go into your private room, shut your door, pray to your father who is in secret, and your father who sees in secret will reward you. So when I found out my topic was solo prayer from Pastor Joe, when he told me, I was like, okay, you know what, I'm going to practice solo prayer myself. And so I remember um, the first, it was the first night I found out. I was like, okay, I'm going to do solo prayer because I can't speak about solo prayer and not do it. That, that would be hypocritical of me. So I remember it was that night. Um, I went into my room. I locked my door. And, you know, I was like, all right, I'm going to do some solo prayer. I, I put my phone away. I put it on silent. Um, I closed my window. You know, everything was off. I turned my lights off. I was eliminating all the distractions, all the trees that could have blocked my signal from reaching God. So I was like, all right, Lord, so I start praying. I'm like two minutes into the prayer, and then my mom comes, and then she knocks on my door, doop, 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 and then she's like banging on the door, and then she's like, Jayan, did can you please do the laundry real quick, like put the washer into the dryer? I'm like, oh, my goodness. So two minutes in, I failed my solo prayer. And so I, I come out of my room. I do the thing. I'm like, okay, Lord, uh, give me patience with my family while I do this. So I, I, I do the laundry. I do it. I go back in my room, lock the door, put my phone away, turn off the lights, try solo prayer again. Okay. All right, Lord. Uh, sorry for the distraction earlier. Next thing you know, one minute into my second attempt, my dog starts barking. Ezra, the, the, somebody walked by outside, and, you know, Ezra, he's real finicky when it comes to strangers walking near the house. He starts going crazy. He's yelling. He knocks over his little water bowl, the water spills. So then I had to clean it up. So, you know, I was kind of failing the first night, not going to lie. Things were just going crazy. So get through that. Do all the things. Take care of the dog. All right, third attempt. Third attempt at solo prayer that night. I turn off the lights, lock my door, but I forget to silence my cell phone. My friend calls me right as soon as I begin praying. So I was like, all right, maybe tonight's not the night, Lord. I'll try again tomorrow. But so I failed, not going to lie. But, you know, with practice makes perfect. So, you know, let's keep practicing solo prayer. But 
Now, let's look at how Jesus practiced solo prayer. Because like I've been saying, he's the expert at doing it. He's so good at doing it. So, Luke 5.16, super short verse. Yet he often withdrew to deserted places and prayed. And Mark 1.35, very early in the morning, while it was still dark, he got up, went out, and made his way to a deserted place, and there he was praying. This is honestly my favorite verse of the whole night. And so, within these two verses, um, they describe Jesus of having a habit to withdraw himself from everyone around him and to go to a quiet, desolate place to pray in solitude to the Father. It was his habit. Every time Jesus had the opportunity, he would leave everything behind and he would go to a place where nobody could find him or he would a place where he could be super hard to find. And that's where he would pray. That's where he would practice solo prayer. And so that, that was my problem. I was praying in my bedroom with my whole family in the house. So I'm not eliminating that distraction. I'm not praying in a deserted place. I was praying in the middle of the day. So everyone was for sure going to be awake. So that was my problem. So in this case, now that we understand how Jesus had his habits of practicing solo prayer, let's apply that to ourselves now. Here's the application part. What are some practical ways for us to better practice solo prayer in our time, in our setting today? So, oh, wait. Ah, here we go. How does one practice solo prayer? And here we, here we have the answers. So, we need to pick a quiet and desolate place to pray. As we saw in Jesus' example, he always picked quiet and desolate places to pray. Up on the mountain, in the desert, far away from everybody else. So, you know, what does that look like for us? Maybe we go in our closet to pray. We go in our bathroom. Like I said, maybe we go sit in our car before work, you stay there, pray. You know, maybe you really have to be intentional about finding a place to have solo prayer. Maybe you really have to, like, leave your home and you have to go drive somewhere, maybe to a park. Maybe you got to go drive up the side of a mountain. I don't know. Maybe you got to go on a walk or a hike, and there, that's where you can find peace and quiet for solo prayer. Now, next part, picking a good time to pray. I didn't pick a good time to pray. It was in the middle of the day. But like, like we saw in the last verse, Jesus, he got up very early in the morning while it was still dark. So if we look at Jesus' prayer habits, Jesus always decided to practice solo prayer during th three um, or maybe two, two times. He always practiced solo prayer during late night he would practice solo prayer throughout the night. And he would also practice solo prayer very early in the morning. So, if anything, that's the perfect time to practice solo prayer for us as well. We should mirror what Jesus did. I know it's hard staying up late or waking up early or even praying throughout the whole night. You know, we got to get our, our shut eye. We got to sleep so we can, you know, be ready for class or work the next morning. But picking a good time to pray is very integral for us in solo prayer. If we try to pray during the middle of the day when all our family members are at home, 
we're probably not going to be successful. But if we decide to practice solo prayer, let's say late at night, when everyone else already went to sleep, then we for sure are going to have that peace and quiet. Same thing goes if we decide to pray very early in the morning. If you wake up before everybody else, you're going to have that peace and quiet. So, next one. We need to work to eliminate all distractions. So what does that mean? Attempting solo prayer while multiple distractions are around will be very difficult. For example, like I said, bring your phone with you, praying when people are at your house, etc. So when we go to practice solo prayer, we need to be intentional. All right, this is the perfect time for me to practice solo prayer. My family is asleep. I'm going to turn off my phone. I'm going to turn off my lights. I'm going to close my window. I'm going to go in my closet. We need to be very intentional about practicing solo prayer. If we just like try to do solo prayer, like, all right, I'm going to do solo prayer right here. And you're just like sitting in the middle of, I don't know, in the middle of the library for me, because I'm at UNR a lot. I can't practice solo prayer there. It's loud. People, there's people walking by. My friends are there. I'm not going to be successful. So we need to be very intentional on the time, place, and also the things that are around us, the potential distractions when we try to practice solo prayer. And lastly, we need to focus. Because, like I said, we can work to eliminate our distractions. But as much as we can attempt to get rid of all possible distractions when practicing solo prayer, for sure, the enemy is going to try to create distractions in an attempt to stop you. Because the last thing the devil wants you to do is to be unified with God in prayer. That's the last thing he wants to happen. So he's going to do all that he can to make sure that doesn't happen. He's going to start setting off your phone even after you thought you silenced it. You know, people are going to come knocking at your door or your coworker is going to come knock on your window in your car. Or even if that doesn't happen, when you're attempting to pray, a distracting thought, an intrusive thought just, just flies into your mind. You're like, Lord, uh, I really come to you today. And then all of a sudden, oh, did I turn the stove off? I don't know. My mom's going to be mad at me because I forgot to put the meat out and it's still frozen. And she's going to be mad when I get home. Things like that. All of a sudden, these intrusive thoughts just come flying into your mind. And that's the devil trying to distract you from being truly unified with God. So when this is happening, the most we can do is to really just focus on God and try our best to really just focus on the Lord, um, stay connected with Him, and to fight through those distractions. And fighting through those distractions really comes with um, having spiritual maturity. Um, the closer you are with the Lord, the more successful you, you are going to be, and the more successful you are at fighting those distractions when they come your way. So... I am, you know, coming to the end of the thing tonight. And I'm just going to wrap this up real quick. And so, let's summarize. What is solo prayer? Solo prayer is withdrawing to a place of solitude by yourself to pray to God. The why. Why is solo prayer so important? Solo prayer helps us to make big decisions, allows the Holy Spirit to intercede in our prayers, and provides ultimate unity with God. And like we just went over, how does one practice solo prayer? Picking a quiet and desolate place to pray, picking a good time to pray, 
working to eliminate all distractions, and lastly, focus. So, as we saw, biblically, Jesus, the best solo prayer ever. He was so good at it. He always found the best time, the best place to pray. He successfully always eliminated all distractions, and thus he was super unified with God in his prayer life. And, you know, I can only hope to achieve that type of level. Um, same goes for all of us. But um, yesterday, so ever since, like I said, ever since Pastor Joe uh, gave me this topic of solo prayer, I've been attempting it once a day since then. And yesterday, I, I think I was finally somewhat successful. I only had one distraction. Um, yesterday, I decided to stay up a little late. I let my parents go to bed. I let my dog go to bed. I looked in the room. I was like, okay, they're asleep. Close the door. I was like, okay, this is the time. So turned off all my lights, locked my door, closed the window, got to pray. I was like, all right, this is it. And it was an amazing experience. Um, you know, I haven't practiced solo prayer in a very long time, and um, just really connecting with God on a one-on-one -on -one level was super um, eye-opening for me again. And I, I truly felt connected to God in that time. And I, I highly encourage you guys to practice that as well. So I was like 30 minutes into my prayer, the farthest I ever got. And then Ezra woke up, and he came out, and he was barking because he heard somebody around outside. It's like, all right. You know what, 30 minutes is a good record. I'm going to keep that one. Hopefully I can nail it again or beat that record sometime later down the week. But overall, um, taking that time of solo prayer was um, super um, nourishing for the soul, super nourishing for my Christian life, um, my spiritual life, and for my prayer life. Uh, it felt refreshing in a way, really getting to connect with God on that deep, genuine and vulnerable level, really giving yourself up to God, investing your time in Him, and He invests your time back in. So with that being said, I highly encourage you guys to try to practice the same thing. Um, you know, tonight, uh, practice solo prayer. You know, if you can tonight. If you can't do it tonight, do it tomorrow morning, early in the morning, like Jesus did. I know waking up is hard, but... You know what? A lot of you guys probably wake up way earlier than I do, if I'm being honest. So you guys should have an easier time at doing it than I do. But, um, you know, really practice solo prayer. It's super nourishing. Highly encourage it. And as we saw in Matthew 6.6, 6, um, Jesus highly encourages it too. So with that being said, let's close in prayer. Father God, we thank you for tonight. We um, thank you for just bringing us together once again to just hear your word, Father God, and to worship you. Um, Lord, uh, I'm very thankful for um, all that you've done. Uh, thank you for um, just um, blessing me, um, Father God. And Lord, I just pray uh, on this night that you truly opened up the hearts of everyone who is sitting here tonight, Father God. Um, help them to really understand the importance of solo prayer, Father God, and help them to practice it, Lord. I pray that as we go home to our homes tonight, Father God, that um, we all make the attempt, at least make the attempt, 
to really connect with you on a deeper level, Father God, on a one-on-one level, Lord. Lord, here at prayer service, um, we partake in communal prayer, and we understand that that's very important, Father God. But help us also understand the sheer importance of solo prayer, praying one-on-one with you, Father God, talking to you. So, Lord, we thank you once again for this night. Um, I lift everyone up to you, Father God, everyone who's sitting here. And I pray that you um, send us all to our homes um, safely after this. And we thank you for everything, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you, guys.